Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two faithful servants of the Lord Jesus who labored side by side for parts of three decades in mainland China. Witness Lee brought this ministry to the West in 1962 and culminated his ministry with the Life Study of the Bible, a significant contribution to the heritage of Bible exposition and we're delighted to bring you short portions of this spoken ministry on today's Life Study from the Book of Colossians. The Book of Colossians is a book to give us the highest vision of Christ. It's a book unveiling Christ. In chapter 1, Christ is shown as item after item until finally he's revealed as the very mystery of God. But there's also a practical side to this book, a practicality that's expressed in chapter 2 and verse 6. As therefore you have received the Christ, Jesus the Lord, walk in him. This is a popular verse to many Christians, but also a perplexing one. For though it sounds simple enough, just how is it that we can walk in the one whom we've received? Well, if our eyes can be enlightened, the Bible in several key portions gives us the key, provided our hearts are open and clear and that we have full assurance of understanding. Ron Kangas is back with us today. Ron, welcome to the program. I appreciate your mentioning the uh, matter of the full assurance of understanding. Christians may suppose that they understand this verse. I'm wondering if they understand the first part, received the Christ. But the next part, walk in him, this is really profound and significant. To receive the Lord customarily understood as our personal Savior, that's most precious. But then to walk in him, three words. What do they mean, really? Walk. What's that? Why in him? And then him. Who is this him? Of course, it's Christ. But who is this him, according to the book of Colossians? This One is a much vaster Christ than we've ever imagined. And we need to know who this Christ is and what it is to walk in him. And I consider anything that I can do in our fellowship is a kind of preliminary contribution to a seeking of the Lord in this matter, that we all may be enlightened and enriched so that eventually We will truly walk in him. Uh, Ron, you're mentioning of uh, this vastness associated with this one in whom we are to walk. really takes us uh, to where we're going today, at least in the first portion of our program. We had a life study message on chapter 1, verse 12. We're going to come back to that. It refers to an Old Testament type that has great bearing on this matter of walking in him. Let me read the verse and then ask you to uh, review it a little bit just to refresh our listeners. Again, this is Colossians 1, 12. Paul says, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you 
you for a share of the allotted portion of the saints in the light. Allotted portion. Where in the Bible do we read about the allotting of a portion? That is in the Old Testament, especially in Joshua, where the good land in principle has been conquered and subdued. So now the tribes can each receive their allotted portion. That's the background. The good land, the land of Canaan, the land of promise, God's goal in bringing his people out of Egypt and through the wilderness was to usher them into this good land as their inheritance. There they would dwell. There they would establish God's kingly administration in the city of his choice. There they would build the temple for God's dwelling. This good land is a type of the Christ unveiled in Colossians. The good land is an all-inclusive type, and the Christ in Colossians is an all-inclusive Christ. It's very good, even necessary, to put Colossians 1.12 together with chapter 2, verse 6, because the one in whom we should walk is the one of whom we have an allotted portion, and that one is the all-inclusive Christ typified by the good land. So this begins to shed light on what it is to walk in. This is not walking on a narrow pathway here. This is walking in an immense, actually immeasurable territory, the all-inclusive Christ typified by the good land. And we all have a portion in this Christ. Well, some of these phrases, Ron, the all-inclusive Christ and Christ as the good land, which may be new phrases or new terminology to many of our listeners, I think will become much more familiar as we continue in our broadcast today. I'm looking forward to this message a lot. Let's join Witness Lee. In chapter 1, the Apostle Paul gave us a profound revelation of Christ. It's too, too profound. The first aspect he unveiled to us was the portion of the saint. That is the lot of the saint, and that lot is uh, typified by the good land in the Old Testament. Then finally, this, he went on to tell us that this portion of the saint was the image of the invisible God. And then he is the awfulness of God, being the firstborn of all creation, the firstborn from among the dead. He has opened up so much of Christ, then he came to chapter 2. He said he was struggling, agonizing, and laboring that uh, the hearts of his recipients may be uh, comforted, warmed, cherished, and so forth. Then they may have a proper understanding. Then, up to this point, he 
told the recipient, the audience, that uh, this Christ you all have received. Even you have been distracted from this Christ, but uh, you have received him. Regardless, you know or you don't know, you have received him. Now, you must uh, have your heart comforted, have your mind so sober that you could have the full knowledge of this mystery of God that is Christ. You need such a heart with such a mind to know what you have received, to know the one whom you have received. He is the mystery of God. He is so much. You have received him. Now what you need is just to have the full assurance of understanding. You need to know him. Then you could walk in him. Ron, this segment was uh, quite a good summary, really, of most of the major points we've seen thus far in this life study of Colossians. One thing that strikes me is the sequence that Paul uses in this book. First, he presents this Christ in all these aspects culminating in Christ as the mystery of mysteries, the mystery of God. And then chapter 2, he comes fully to our case, laboring, struggling, comforting our hearts to bring us to a place where we can apprehend such a vision. This is really marvelous, isn't it? It is marvelous, and uh, I appreciate Paul's labor in this matter. He ends chapter 1 with a testimony of how he struggles according to the Lord's energizing to present every one of us a mature or full-grown in Christ. You could tell he is not writing in a light way, speaking Uh, glibly of profound theological matters, he is presenting a marvelous vision of the universal extensiveness and inclusiveness of Christ. But he is presenting this vision in such a way that there would be at least a twofold effect upon his readers. One effect should be that we are rescued from distractions and from the substitutes of Christ, that we will see something so compelling regarding Christ that we would just drop spontaneously whatever it is of religion or culture that's occupying us instead of Christ. And the other effect is to bring us into a deep assurance involving heart and mind concerning Christ as the mystery of God, that we would be fully assured in the depths of our being that Christ is such a one, that we have received such a one, that such a one is the mystery of God, and he is the one in whom all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. Once we have this vision, once we have been rescued, once we have been assured that Christ is such a one and that such a one is ours, then we are prepared for Paul's exhortation to go beyond the initial receiving of him and learn to walk in him as our land 
And this is the thought that Paul is seeking to develop in chapter 2 and verse 6. That's where we're going, Ron. We're going to look at this type of Christ as the good land in this coming portion. Let's go back to Witness Lee. I do believe what was written that Apostle Paul, when he was writing this portion, was that he considered this all-inclusive Christ as the good land. To walk in Christ as the mystery of God, you must see this Christ in Paul's concept when he was writing this was the good land. Christ was the good land. This is the all-inclusive type of Christ. We need to know this. Without Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 7 through 11, how could you know Christ as the hills? And he also is the valley. In the hills, you have the springs. And in the valleys, you have some other kind of water. And wheat, barley. Wheat signifies the incarnated Christ. And barley signifies the resurrected Christ. And the iron, the brass for making weapons, for giving you the strength, the might to fight for the kingdom. To understand Christ so much, we must take that good land in the whole old husband. Well, Ron, he said that if our hearts are comforted, knit together with the resulting full assurance of understanding, one of the things that needs to be included in this understanding is to see Christ as this good land. Otherwise, walking in him will always remain an elusive and rather abstract item. Why is the good land such a helpful type in bringing us into the practicality of walking in him? I would approach the matter this way. The more we see concerning Christ, the more we can gain of Christ. If we go way back into Genesis, when God told Abraham to lift up his eyes and to look in all four directions, that was an indication of how crucial it is to see the vastness of this good land, which is Christ. Then, according to what we see, we will gradually possess. If we see that Christ is the lamb typified by the Passover lamb, surely we will apply him as such. If we see that he is the manna for our daily nourishment, we will apply him as such. But if that's all we see, then we will stay in the lamb manna stage our whole life on earth. And that's a tragedy. God's goal was not just to have the lamb and to have the manna. That was in Egypt and the wilderness, respectively. But to bring us into the good land to enjoy the all-inclusive Christ. And this is the point. Because only by enjoying Christ in his all-inclusiveness can we fulfill God's purpose. If we just care for ourselves, we may be content with the lamb and the manna. But if we seriously care for God's heart's desire and his purpose and economy, 
we will enter into his thought and feeling concerning our need to explore Christ as typified by the good land, to labor on him, to experience him and enjoy him, not only for ourselves, but even the more for God. Ron, we talked earlier on about the practicality of Paul's word in verse 6 about walking in him and seeing Christ as the good land is one step. What we're about to see regarding Christ as the life-giving spirit is an invaluable next step. Let's go back to Witness Lee. Here in Colossians, you have this word, walk in him. If you go to Galatians, Paul says, walk in what? In spirit. To walk in him is to walk in spirit. Then Romans 8 says what? Walk according to spirit. All this indicates what? All this indicates that the very spirit that is in our spirit is the fulfillment of the good land. Actually, the good land today to us is the all-inclusive spirit. And we must know that this all-inclusive spirit is the all-inclusive Christ. And this all-inclusive Christ is what? The process the God. The trying God, after being processed, he is the all-inclusive Christ. And this all-inclusive Christ, in our experience, is the all-inclusive spirit. This all-inclusive spirit today indwells our spirit. It is so practical. The indwelling all-inclusive spirit in our spirit is our good land today. In all the other books written by Paul, like in Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Philippians, and so forth, he tells us clearly that Christ today is the all-inclusive spirit. Paul told us clearly that Christ was and still is the very embodiment of God. He was, still is, the very expression of God. Then he became the last Adam, a man, by the name Last Adam. As the last Adam, he went to the cross. And on the cross, he died there. He passed through that process. And he entered into resurrection. In resurrection, he, the last Adam, became a life-giving spirit. So, in the New Testament, there is such a concluding word that says, Now the Lord is that spirit. And this spirit now dwells in our spirit. So we can be one spirit with him. Hallelujah. 
Well, Ron, we've tried to save a little of our time today so that we could address this big topic, that the reality of Christ being the all-inclusive good land for us to walk in is that in his divine economy, he has become this life-giving spirit that's now within us. This connects these two thoughts from Colossians 2, verse 6, with Galatians 5 and Romans 8 about walking in him and walking according to the spirit, doesn't it? It does. In, in our last moments, this is what I would like to emphasize But a little background first. The good land, especially as described in Deuteronomy chapter 8, is an all-inclusive type of Christ. He is the fulfillment of the type. But if we stop here, we are in an objective, even doctrinal realm. But if we go on to see that the New Testament reveals that In God's economy, and through his resurrection, Christ became the all-inclusive, life-giving spirit. The Christ we received is this pneumatic Christ, this all-inclusive, life-giving spirit. This spirit is the reality of the Christ who is the fulfillment of the type of the good land. So we go from the type to the fulfillment, and from the fulfillment to the reality, the reality of Christ as the fulfillment of the type is the all-inclusive, life-giving spirit. Paul says to walk in him that is in this Christ. But in Galatians 5, he says to walk in the spirit or by the spirit. When we put that together with Paul's word in Galatians 3.14, concerning the Spirit being the reality of the promise that is the good land God promised Abraham, we see that to walk by the Spirit is really to walk in the Christ, who is the fulfillment of the type of the good land. Then the next step is to realize that this Spirit in whom we walk, is in us and is mingled with our spirit to form the mingled spirit. Now we're prepared to reconsider Romans 8.4, walk according to spirit. The spirit in this verse is the mingled spirit. So how do we walk in the Christ? We walk in him by walking according to our regenerated spirit, which has been mingled with the all-inclusive life-giving spirit as one spirit. So we're brought back to the marvelous practical application of it all, and that is the spirit who is the reality of Christ dwells in our regenerated human spirit, forming a mingled spirit, When we are in our spirit, we are in the Christ who is the good land. When we walk according to spirit, we walk in him who is the fulfillment of the type of the good land. There's a lot here to consider. The revelation is marvelous, but the application is elegantly simple. It's a matter of turning to our spirit, exercising our spirit, dwelling in our spirit, walking according to the spirit. And when we do, 
we take step after step in this vast realm of the all-inclusive Christ. God wants us to be here. Brother Lee was burdened that we would be here. This program is dedicated to our being here. We hope that many, many of the listeners will desire what God desires, that is not only to receive the Christ, Jesus the Lord, but also to walk in Him. Well, we wish we had more time to follow up, but uh, we will just leave it with a recommendation that you contact us about the printed messages that go along with this remarkable life study, this profound realization, and this simple application. For Ron Kingus today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. In Colossians, Paul uses a number of special terms for Christ. The portion of the saints, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Colossians reveals that Christ is profound and all-inclusive. The all-inclusive Christ transcends our understanding. Our need is to be infused, saturated, and permeated with Him until, in our experience, Christ is everything to us, our food, our drink, our feasts, our holy days, our Sabbath, our new moon, our everything. We must not allow anything to replace Christ or to be a substitute for Him. The printed Life Study of Colossians is available in a three-volume set with a total of 65 messages. To order, call 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That number again is 1-888-543-3788. 